I just like, for whatever reason, I was like, you know, I kind of like this whole bass thing. And it really, like I took to it, which is so interesting that it was like my first, you know, it just really like, there's something about it that's so speaks to me. And for like, I feel like it kind of like fits my personality, you know? Welcome to episode 92 of the Bay Shed podcast. My name is Ryan Roberts. What's up, folks? A friendly hello. Howdy. How you doing (laughs) to all the new listeners? For those of you who are regular listeners of the podcast, I'm sure you're all aware that the Bay Shed has a strong partnership with Lemur Music in San Clemente, California. Over the past couple months, the folks at Lemur and I have been discussing launching a lessons program and fast forward, fast forward. I'm happy to announce that I'll be launching the Bay Shed Academy at Lemur Music in January of 2023, so January of next year. The Bay Shed Academy is a nonprofit organization I started to facilitate and manage the lessons program at Lemur Music and also go into the community and do some performances and masterclasses. I'll be talking more about the Bay Shed Academy and the faculty of the program as it gets closer to the launch on January 7th. I'll have some information up at thebayshed.com shortly, and there will also be information at lemurmusic.com. In the meantime, stop by lemurmusic.com for any and all double bass related items and use the promo code THEBASSHED, all one word, for 10% off. All right, all right, all righty then. My guest on the episode is touring bassist and vocalist Harmony Kelly. Harmony is currently touring with country music superstar Kenny Chesney. Prior to her joining Kenny Chesney's band, Harmony had worked with Hank Williams Jr., Radney Foster, Bonnie Bishop, Holly Williams, and Louise Mandrell. You can learn more about Harmony at HarmonyKelly.com. You can also follow her on Instagram at HarmonyKelly. Now, now let me let me talk about this for a second. There's a little bit of little spelling trickery with her name. Harmony is H-A-R-M-O-N-I and Kelly is K-E-L-L-E-Y. So on Instagram at Harmony Kelly. I will have links up to all those pages at thebayshed.com backslash podcast backslash Harmony Kelly. I had a great time talking with Harmony and uh, I'm going to I'm not going to lie, folks. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell the truth here. Back in the day, back in the day in Arizona, when I was playing country music, I had fun doing it and I kind of miss it. I kind of miss playing country music, like being in a really smoking country band. Uh, It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to play that stuff. And it was great talking to Harmony about her gig with one of the biggest country performers that there is. Uh, So here it is. Here's my talk with bassist and vocalist Harmony Kelly. How's it going? Doing well. So it was on your website. I, I'm curious about the Essential Hat Company. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll talk about all the base stuff, you know, in a second, but I want to know about this hat company. Well, we, uh, a friend of mine and I, he actually used to tour with me, um, and we were trapped in Nashville during COVID because we were in rehearsals. And then, you know, like four or five days later, we got totally shut down. So, uh, you know, we're stuck at this Airbnb with a couple of our friends and he had this idea and we were bored. And so, and he, he's from Athens, Georgia. And so he knew somebody that had like a little mom and pop print, print shop there. And so we printed like this run of, um, you know, 
I don't even know how many hundreds we did, but uh, but it was cool for a little while, and then it just sort of dissolved, you know, after the. So do you just have boxes of hats laying around now? No, we actually like did it pretty smart. We you know we would order kind of sort of in bulk, but then based okay. on the orders we had, so he may have you know a box of you know, 20 sitting around, but I think mostly we, we sold them, you know, right. that's not too bad. Like 20 or 30. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, surprising. <laughs> yeah. so you're in Austin right now, correct? Austin, Yes. Yeah. How long are you now you're from Austin. I am. Yeah. 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 I've, I've lived here. I mean, I wasn't born here, but, um, I've been here for, I don't know, 35 years or something like oh, wow. almost like basically my whole life, you know, Okay. Almost. so, but I, Where, where were you born? Shreveport, Louisiana. <laughs> I have no idea where that is. Where is that? Where is that in the state? It's like the northwest top corner. Okay. Okay. I'm guessing super small town. I mean, Shreveport's like fairly it's small. It's you know, it's okay. not it's not. So then so I was born in Shreveport, Louisiana, and then right across, it's like super close, maybe 20 minutes from the border of Texas. Oh wow. And so my parents, like my mom and actually really my dad's family lived on the Texas side. And okay. so I kind of I was born there, but then I kind of grew up in an actually really, really, really tiny town, like two thousand people, maybe. Wow. And wow. What town was that? Uh, it's called D-Berry. D-Berry? Yeah, capital D-E, capital B-E-R-R-Y. Okay, yeah. Is that, that sounds like somebody's name. I It must be. I have yeah. no, you would know this, being, you know, spending a lot of time up there, but I have no idea where the name came from. But it's this tiny little town and, you know, it's small town Texas and my parents were kind of like hippie kids. And okay. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, given your name. Either they're musical or hippie. Both, actually. Okay. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Yeah, right. yeah. My dad, uh, my dad still actually plays guitar. Okay. He's written a ton of songs, and he used to have this band in Shreveport. And um, so, yeah, when I was born, I think it was either going to be harmony or melody, and my mom liked harmony, and so that's kind okay. of which I'm happy about because I you don't meet a lot of harmonies, you know. That's true. That's true. Um, and then, so what was the impetus for the move to Austin? They were, you know, it's small town, Texas. So if you're like a musician or sort of anybody that thinks of things differently than, you know, the conservative, sure. and you're probably going to want to get out of there. And I think my dad had always been curious about Austin and back in, you know, the early eighties, late seventies, Austin was a very different place. You know, it was more mm -hmm. artsy little small college town, you know? Okay. Um, What's the school there? Uh, University of Texas. Well, there's a lot of schools actually. I mean, there's okay. the main one is University of Texas at Austin, okay. which is where I went to school actually. So gotcha. all right, we'll come back to that. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but pre-college, so you get there, like, how old are you when the family makes the jump to Austin? I, so they, the first time they moved to Austin, I think I was like three. Okay. And they moved to Austin and it was always based around like my dad looking for work, I think, you As know. As a musician? Well, or just, just job, just jobs. Just jobs, so. When I was born, my mom was 18 and my dad was 24. Okay. And I think um, 
planned. Yeah. And uh, it's so young. It's so yeah. young. Oh yeah, my yeah, gosh. Yeah. You're like, okay, we have this, this baby now, what do we do? And so my mom was kind of like, stayed home, take care of me. And then my dad was like searching for jobs and, you know, going to school. He, he always wanted to be, um, he was for a little while, but he went to school for journalism. Oh, and cool. At this, you know, little tiny town paper yeah. to Austin. And, um, so yeah, so that's, so they moved to Austin and I think he got a job like <laughs> working in the distribution warehouse of Shiner beer Okay. Um, I've never even heard of that. <laughs> random. So Shiner is like, you know, there's, there's a town called Shiner, Texas, but Shiner beer is like this really well-known beer here. In okay. Texas. All the locals are into it. Yeah. Kind of. It's just been around forever. And now there's all these craft breweries that are opening up that, you know, actually right. really great beer. So. Um, yeah. Cause Austin got pretty gentrified, right? Like a lot of tech companies are there and there's, there's a lot going on there. And it's still growing. Like it's, it's kind of crazy. So mm. uh, very different than it used to be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I still love it. I mean, there are people who are from here that are like, they don't like Austin anymore. Austin's changed so much and you know, right, right, right. blah, blah, blah. But really it's like the soul of the town is still here. Okay. I think, yeah. Okay. Like a, still a thriving local scene. Yeah. I, yeah. I think so. I mean, and okay. I'm like, Nashville for about five years. And, um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm partial to the Austin music scene, maybe because yeah. I in it, you know, and I like learned how to be a musician and be in a band here. Right. 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 All my people are here and this is kind of like my, my comfort zone, I guess, in a way. When I think of, I've never been to Austin or Texas actually, but when I think of Austin, I think of it as like, Texas, but it has like this creative kind of alt edge to it. Yeah. It wouldn't be like a mainstream Texas thing. Like how would you describe the the scene or the sound of in Austin? I mean, the sound, well, it's, I mean, te- like Austin is definitely this little pocket in right. like, people say that before, like Austin is the only place I would ever want to visit or live in Texas because it's okay. like every other place in Texas. And yeah. Um, you know, like the rest of the state is like pretty conservative and, you know, like, so we exist in this little bubble, this little vacuum in Austin. So yeah. it makes it cool because, you know, there's a lot of young people that are moving here and it is a cool college town and it's got a great music scene. And um, so I don't know, there's a lot of cool stuff going on here. Like I've been playing in just sort of like this, I don't know, I don't, I play, I play everything, I guess. I'm trying to think it was like Americana music, singer songwriter, folk stuff. But then there's also this like really cool, like R and B funk rock scene that's going on here too. I so. wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that. I would have guessed that like, you know, a couple States more East as you get into the South with the funk and the R and B and like Georgia and all that. But I would not have guessed it in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's like, I don't know, we have a little bit of everything, I think. Okay. A lot of great cool. play. And there's, um, I did not go to school for music, mm-hmm. gosh, but, um, <laughs> All right. I did what like did you go to school for, uh, radio, television and film. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what was, what was the dream? What was when you were going to school for radio, television and film, did you want to be on camera? Did you want to work in production? I wanted to work in production. I always oh. want, I wanted to edit. Really? That's the worst of it all. I, really? I, 
Yeah, I like. Want to edit these for me? I'll just send you these. Like, <laughs> if you're so passionate about editing, seriously, like, I can. I, I got work for you. I definitely have work for you. Let me send you my files. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. It's like there's something about like creating something. Maybe I don't know. Maybe there's like some overlap in in you know being a musician and maybe playing bass. Even that there's this like cool thing of like taking all these pieces and sort of making this cohesive thing out of sure. all parts. Sure. That's definitely bass player stuff. Yeah. No, no, it's weird. Yeah. Making it make sense, making like creating this little bed for everything right. on top of. So maybe that's has a similarity to, you know, between editing and, and playing bass. Oh, man, editing sucks. Editing and it's not like so bad. definitely moments where I was like crying or like, you know, sitting in here looking at Adobe Premiere, like, why are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's awful. It's awful. It can be. It can be. Yeah. How do I get all my workspaces back? What just happened? They all caved and now I can't find anything. And then the computer crashes and then you're yeah. you're not wrong. I mean, the, oh. all of these have definitely happened to me, you know. Um, but I don't know why. Like, I loved it. And at the time when I was in college here, it was like we were do, we were using like Final Cut Pro, which I loved, and now has totally changed into something completely different. And we were using, okay. it. Um, but everything changes. So you know, it's like anything with technology. It's like right. if you keep up with it all, you know, constantly. Then if you try to dive back into it you know, 10 to 15 years later, it's like very overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's always, they just update stuff. And like the last time I opened premiere, there's like the whole thing's different. And now I got to relearn it. You know, I didn't even have a good grasp on it. I knew how to do what I needed to do. It's such a pain. It's a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. Um, so were you playing when you were in college? Were you playing bass yet? And let's start here first. Was bass your first instrument? Yeah, bass has kind of been my only instrument, which is, okay. I mean, I have that drum kit over there, which I, I do love. I mean, I think like I'm a rhythm section girl, you know, yeah. but um, yeah, my dad, my dad played guitar, but he never like pushed me to play. I, I was, I remember him trying to teach me chords and just me getting frustrated and mm. like not really understanding that. I never was drawn to keys. My parents never put me in like, you know, piano lessons from the time I was eight or anything like that right, right, right. music. And I grew up around my dad playing and, you know, falling asleep on a picnic table bench, you know, when my dad was playing a gig at some random dive bar with my mom, you know, like nice. listening to like vinyl at home and all that stuff. So, and the stuff he was listening to was really like kind of rhythm, like rhythmic rhythm section, kind of heavy stuff, you know? Okay. Um, like who? Like, man like little feet okay um the band yeah, the yeah, yeah. um taj mahal rye cooter okay he was like a very eclectic mix of music and so when i grew up and became an adult who was playing bass i like sought out all those records again you know because yeah. they're magic and they're great and so now yeah. I listen to them, you know all the time but um yeah so i started I was 17 when I picked up the bass. So okay. oddly late start, I think compared to all the other people that I know. It seems like that, doesn't it? It seems like that at the time, like, Oh wow. Everybody. And then yeah. always there's like, there's always that thing. I think even when, after you're a professional that everybody else is always ahead of you. 
Oh, we completely. Yeah. yeah that, that's always the feeling all the time is everybody else has a jump on it. And you're just, you know, yes. trying, trying to hold on and keep up. That's that that yeah. permeates the whole career and occupation. I, think. I was going to say, and even now as like somebody who's been playing forever that has like, you know, one of the greatest, biggest gigs, I'm still yeah. Do I like? I feel like I should be doing something. I should be doing more, or <laughs> but it's like I don't know. I'm trying to make peace with it, you know, yeah. with all of it. But um, yeah, I start, <laughs> I started playing bass because <clears throat> I was like a I was a really big Guns and Roses fan when I was mm-hmm. in high school, and uh, my a friend of mine was like, "Let's start a band," you know, because yeah. We, we were fans of Guns N' Roses. Start a band guy. There's always a start a band guy. Let's do this. And because yeah. that's with Guns N' Roses, we had the pictures on the on our wall and all yeah. that. Watch videos all day long. And so she got a guitar, and I was like, "Well," she was like, "Well, you love Duff, so you should just you should get a bass." And I was like, "That's a great idea." <laughs> <laughs> My parents and they were like, "Oh." okay, like, we'll get you a bass for Christmas, but that's all you're getting. You know, they didn't have a ton of money. And so I picked out the bass. It was just like a, a made in Mexico, you know, little Fender P bass and uh, got like a a used PV TNT amp. Okay. Uh, like one one fifteen, right? Is that yeah, what those yeah, were? Yeah, yeah, it was like 115. And like at some point the grill, the cloth came off the front and yeah. it, it was great. I loved it. <laughs> Got it at like a pawn shop. And so I just of course. started, I, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And so I just, you know, started sitting on the floor in my parents' living room and like putting on CDs or records and just sort of like picking out the bass part, you know, okay. I kind of could, I noticed that I was like drawn to bass. Some people are like, oh, I immediately hear the guitar part or right. Hear the key part or the drum part, but I never, I could always hear the bass part first. Okay. Okay. For some reason, my ears were like in tune with that, I guess. Right. Right. You're already dialed. Yeah. yeah. I was a little bit more dialed into that. So, okay. Yeah. And I never took, I never went to school for music. I never, any, any private instruction along the way at all? Nothing. I took one lesson. I was in this band in Austin. Um, maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago or something before I moved to Nashville. And there was a couple songs where I had to like do a couple slap parts. Mm-hmm. And I was like, not super familiar with that technique wise. And so I called a friend of mine in, in Austin who is known for that. And so I sat down okay. and listened and he just kind of showed me basically, you know, position stuff and, and some technique, but that's the only. Right. That was it. Just like a little brush up on slap bass. Yeah. That's all, all right. Ever had so I mean and I'm not like I'm so not a I would call myself like a meat and potatoes bass player but I'm really good at I'm a really good listener and I feel like I play for the song you mm-hmm. know and I got really good there's a couple guys that I played with here in Austin that like you would just get thrown into the fire you know and so and my personality is very much especially back then where I needed I wanted to know what was going on. You know, and oh, I, wanted yeah. I wanted to like know what the songs were about, like maybe make my own little chart. Do you have siblings? I do I have two brothers. Yeah. OK, so then that's just like the the oldest child syndrome of, of the structure and the, the where are we going? And because I have to I have to crush this. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Like just like 
you know, getting thrown in, ah, it doesn't work out. That's not an option. Like I have to crush it. And so how do I succeed? And I need yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which I mean, as you probably know, it's like, that doesn't always work out as a, as a musician. No. No. So it was actually perfect. Cause I got in these bands with these guys who were like, um, and one of them was very, and, and he was, but he was like kind of one of my men, he's still around, but he's one of my mentors really. Like um, he, taught me he never had a set list we never rehearsed we okay. never, anytime he brought a new song to the table we learned it on stage you know in real time okay okay and so it was like i had to sort of get really good at like reading guitar chords and right. understanding cues and you know just listening and paying attention and and also probably most importantly like not giving a shit yeah yeah you know, like really letting go of that notion that I had to be, it, I, everything had to be perfect and I can't right. mess, you know, it would be like, yeah, look, that's a big one. If you make a mistake, right. just loud, you know, like, yeah. basically, <laughs> like tiptoe around it. If you don't know, just play with conviction. You yeah, know? yeah. Right. Just own it and then fix it later. And yeah. so that's like, it served me so well, you know, in my life as a musician. So, yeah. Yeah. So when, when you're going through and learning by ear from either records or in this case on the bandstand, how would you, without maybe any music theory training, how would, what would you qualify these sounds as if it goes from a G to a D and that's a fifth. How do you, but maybe you don't know the name of the interval. How would you, how did that make sense in your mind? Well, and I don't even think I was thinking of it in those terms yet. You know, I was just sort of um, understanding maybe patterns in songs or okay. like we would start to go, oh, okay, I think it's probably going to do this, you know, yeah. and my fingers would know kind of what that meant. Like in my mind, I'm like, I where to get that sound. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I would understand kind of like what the interval is supposed to sound like you right, know? Right. to this note, even though I didn't really understand what that meant even. Yeah. Um, I like, uh, I, I got like the one, I had one of those Mel Bay, yeah. like old school, like learn to play bass. Essential bass one yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. That's how I taught myself to play too. Yeah. That's funny. And I, I never even made it to book two. I don't know what happened, but I, book I, one was enough. And then I got into something else. I don't even think I finished book one, but I was like stuck on this one part. Cause it's like you unfolded, like the middle of the book was like a picture of the fretboard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah basically showed you where all of the notes like the open strings and then where all the notes occurred on the neck of the bass yeah because of the way that my mind worked i was like okay this i'll, I'll do this and so i went and like <laughs> cut out these little tiny pieces of different color construction paper. and so like i assigned every note to a color yeah, this is how my brain works though and i'm like i just have to go with it so i think so now, did, were you doing octaves too? So like an open E is a different, a different color than E at the 12th fret or E at the seventh fret. He was, E was blue, right? Okay, so, just all E's are blue. Yeah. So then when I looked at the fretboard, I started to see the pattern of like, okay, where like the open string and then where's its corresponding note, you know? So yeah. I don't know. It, it helped me see the patterns, you know, okay. yeah. a lot of in patterns, I guess, visually. Yeah. The electric bass is great for that. Oh my God. Upright. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's kind of how I, you know, and then later, you know, I had to sort of figure out what, 
what it all meant in a more in-depth way. And it's a friend of mine was like, Hey, do you want to teach bass at my, he had like a little uh, music school in Austin. And I was like, and that's still, it's one of those things where it's like, man, I didn't, I didn't learn that way. So I don't really know how to teach people how to learn the way that I learned, you know? And so, but right without like just a ton of cardboard paper in a file cabinet. Yeah. 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 So it, it was, it was luckily most of the kids that were learning how to play bass, which I totally got, they just want to learn how to play songs. Sure. You know, like they really just want to like, how do I learn how to play this Green Day song or this Taylor Swift song or whatever, you know, that's really what people want to, to do is like yeah, yeah. practically how to be able to pick up a bass and play with other people maybe, you know? Yeah. But, and I think that, that process also informs like what are your options when creating baselines and fills and all that stuff. Like it's a really, it's a great resource. Yeah, totally. totally. What are some of the songs that you would teach regularly or that have meant a lot to you? Man, when learning I, the tunes? they would always like, the kids would always come in with songs that they wanted to learn, you know, yeah. trying to remember it's been so long since I've done that, but it was always like white stripes you know, right. something like that, where it's like super basic, easy, yeah, because yeah. We, like at that point, if you're really just kind of picking up a bass for the first time, it's less about, for to me, it's almost less about the notes and more about like being able to sort of play in time and understand mm-hmm. what that means and like playing with a drum, the drummer on the record, you know, or yeah, whatever. Yeah how to, you know, how to thump the bass string if you're going to th- play with your fingers, like in a sort of you know, right, structured time. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it was a lot of stuff like that, like super simple bass lines. Okay. Uh, I like one of the first bass. Well, I mean, I, I remember practicing, I probably bit off more than I could chew, but um, I remember sitting down with uh, a Green Day record, you know, and like picking out those bass lines. Okay. Um, back in like the late 90s, early. Yeah you know like dookie that record yeah that record and then what was the one after that um with Longview on it was it called Longview? i don't know i, I didn't even really listen to green day then i'm about to go see them in austin actually really like, weeks yeah all all original lineups still i think so yeah really? that's yeah, kind of cool but those guys have been doing that for you know yeah i played some festival i don't know when that was that maybe it was like five years now but no doubt was headlining the festival. So me and the drummer that was in the band I was playing with went up to the main stage and it was pretty surreal to see no doubt live. Yeah. You know, Cause I grew up listening to yeah. no doubt and it's just, you know, and that's still, I feel like they're still the same lineup too. Right. They were for that. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I think they were doing some kind of reunion tour at the time that, uh, you know, now isn't happening, but yeah. But. Yeah. That's pretty amazing that they're all still. Yeah, they're all still out doing it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, good for them. Uh, Okay, so two things. That band that your friend wanted to start, that you guys wanted to mimic Guns N' Roses, did that band get off the ground? And what was the name of it? No. No, because it was like, she never really, you know, I hate to say it, but she never really like continued on with that whole, like, I want to play guitar. I think it was the notion of like, let's start a band, which, and that's probably super common. You know, it's like the idea of being rock stars is really cool, but the actual, like 
practicality of like learning an instrument and learning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Right. Developing a craft and skill set. Yeah. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just like, for whatever reason, I was like, you know, I kind of like this whole bass thing. And it really, like I took to it, which is so interesting that it was like my first really, you know, it just really like, there's something about it that's so speaks to me. And for like, I feel like it kind of like fits my personality, you know, Sure. Sure. bass player. Yeah. Um, Okay. So then what happens after this? Now you're playing, your friend drops the ball. Uh, The band doesn't happen. So are you just, you're just back in the room learning tunes? Are you going out locally to try to get involved in a project? I that this is the like blurriest part of my whole like bass playing career is like somehow I went from like learning how to play bass and then you know in my maybe mid twenties or something I just I remember it's like I got an opportunity to play with this drummer. Um, in this band, I mean, it was just this girl, singer songwriter. She was very young and she didn't quite, I mean, the songs were good. She had a great voice. Um, and so that this drummer was in that project and he and I played together and we like really locked in with each other and he's quite a bit older than me. And so I think he was kind of like surprised, like, wait, who, who right. yeah. where did you come from kind of yeah. thing? How is this happening right now? Yeah, yeah, like I suddenly appeared out from under a rock and <laughs> like, where, who is this chick with the bass? Yeah. And like, that was just like, he got another opportunity to pull me in on a gig and then other people saw me and I, I started to learn and get better. And then it was really like my whole life just snowballed, you know? Okay. And then I was playing with like, um, I don't know. The Austin music scene is pretty small in a way. And so everybody kind of knows everybody. Right. Know? Right. Um, even there's always a, a, a less than six degrees of separation, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you to kind of like get known and make a name for yourself, especially. And I think being a female bass player too, um, makes that was me unique. Very recognizable. And my name is very unique. So right. right, right. You had a lot of a lot of good branding going for you there. <laughs> it was at the time, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, I totally. It's like, yes, yeah. yeah. So, and then I'm like playing with, um, you know, there's these local bands that that made it sort of fastball. Do you remember the band Fastball? What was that hit? Uh, the way. Yes. Yeah. My head was another one that just sort of got some resurgence because it was on this track. Um. Like, is fastball from Austin? Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. So those guys are from here. So I played with one of the guys on a his solo project, and then they pulled me in to play with fastball, yeah. and then I ended up playing with the other songwriter on some of his projects, and then the drummer okay. playing on a bunch of projects together. And um, there's another guy here named Bob Schneider, who's kind of like Austin's local darling, you know, badass. He dated Sandra Bullock for a little while, so we got a little mm. bit of fame okay was was sandra famous at this point or was it like back in high school pre-fame oh no she was she was famous i was with him when they dated but i think him dating her kind of because he would end up on the cover of like us weekly with her or something and people were like dude from austin so people sort of like from there um i don't know that she's from here but i know she lived here for a while we'll have a place here but 
um, yeah, so I don't know. I played with him and that was like, he, his head is anything from like funk, you know, to like, like funk rap R and B to rock to singer songwriter acoustic. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's got a really interesting eclectic kind of thing going on. Um, and he had yeah. back in the day. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was an interesting experience. That was my first experience being on a tour bus was playing with him. And this was in like, I don't know what, it didn't seem like that long ago. It was like in 2008, you know, <laughs> it didn't seem like that long ago, but that's like what, 15 years. Yeah. Which is, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. My life just sort of did this like snowball thing, you know, here in Austin. And then, okay. yeah. How'd you, how'd you get the, the audition with Kenny? Man. So, <laughs> so I was here in Austin and one of my good girlfriends who also plays bass, she had moved to Nashville. Um, like uh, now she's been there on and off for like 10, 15 years or something. But at the time she'd been there for, you know, four or five years. And she um, was playing with Hank Williams Jr. and had been for like a few years. And she, um, the, she and her husband were pregnant with their first baby and she hadn't yet told the band and she hadn't yet told Hank and the tour manager. Right. And so she said, you know, she called me and she was like, Hey, I know that you've always been talking about kind of finding a reason to get out to Nashville and have a, a foot in the door. Cause it's, you know, much like any other music city, it's like not a place necessarily that's easy to break into. And you don't necessarily yeah. Nashville, not having any friends and just sort of like, get your foot in the door. Yeah, All my friends that have done Nashville tours, it happened because they had an in and then moved there later. Yeah, my friend Pat toured with big and rich and Darius Rucker for a while. Oh, nice. But like he did it all after, like he got grandfathered in and that's why he left Arizona. It's because he yeah. already had connects. Yeah. That you have to, I mean, yeah. that's the only way. And so this is kind of one of those, she said, you know, if you can move here, I'll make sure that I okay it with the band and with Hank and everybody, you know, you could sub this gig for me for, you know, six to eight months while I take time. Cause I think she was going to be having the baby right as their tour was starting. Okay. And didn't want to lose the gig, but she was like, this could be a really great win-win for both of us, you know? Right, right. Um, and so I was like, man, that that's awesome. And what a great reason. And so I was able to to pick up and move to Nashville. And um, before I moved, I went and played one gig with Hank at like Stagecoach Festival out in, mm -hmm. in California. And um, that was, and it was sort of unexpected because she was like, they had added this one show in like April and I wasn't supposed to take over until like June. And so she was like, look, can you do this? Like, I'm too pregnant to do this show. And the stage is real. It's the loudest stage I've ever been on. You know, yeah. it's not going to work for me being pregnant. So can you come play this one? And I was like, shit, okay, now I have to haul ass. And like, she'd given me this DVD and like the set and everything's a medley. And he he's really a trip to play with, you know. So I had to learn a lot. Of, uh, no, uh, Hank Williams Jr. Oh, Hank Williams, okay. um, so I had to learn a lot of their set and changes and, you know, the way that he sort of will go from one song to another with no explanation. And, right. um, and then I showed up at stagecoach and, um, it was great. I played, I met the band. No rehearsal. Do you just learn from DVD right to stage? Okay. There was no rehearsal. There was no, there was barely a sound check, you know, and his MD was cool with all this. Yeah. They had all okayed it. You know, okay. 
going to be coming in. Rachel's going to step away. She's going to be with us for the summer. So this will be a great first show, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I did that and I crushed it. And the band was like, so, oh my God, you nailed it. High fives backstage. Like yeah. you're going to be on tour with us this summer. It's going to be awesome. Blah, blah, blah. So then I went back to Austin because we weren't quite, I hadn't moved to Nashville yet because the mm-hmm. tour was starting until June. And then I went out on tour with Fastball like a month later. We were up in Boston. I'll never forget it. And I got a call from the tour manager and he had this sound in his voice. And I was like, something's not right here. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I was like, what's, what's up, Charlie? And he was like, Harmony, I don't know how to tell you this, but Hank has decided that he wants to use the bass player who was in the band before Rachel. And she's just going to take over. And, you know, and I was just like, bro, I'm moving to Nashville for this gig. Like he was like, I was, and I've never done this, but I was like, all right, whatever I didn't do at that stagecoach gig, you just tell me, you like talk to Hank. Let me, you'd only played the one with him. You'd only played stagecoach. Now you're preparing to move. Okay. I'm preparing to like be out on the road with them for like eight months, you know? And, um, and I knew I had crushed it. And I, I would take that so personally. Like, what did I do? What, what, what was wrong? What was wrong? Just tell me what was wrong. It won't I, be wrong next time. I am not the person that shows up to a gig underprepared or. Right. You know, right. You have the blue dots. You know where you're going. I got yeah. the blue yeah. dots. <laughs> Colorful construction paper. <laughs> That's right. Hey, so, you know, I know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. But um, I was freaking devastated. Of I was, course. And at that point, I was like, the ball was in motion. Like I was moving to Nashville. Did so, you have like a deposit on a place yet? Did you? Oh man, you were in it. Yeah. Like all my friends knew and everybody's like, oh my God, you're going to go play with Hank Williams Jr. You know, yeah, yeah. like I didn't talk about it until I knew that it was actually happening, you know? And then in the end I was just like, well, it still wasn't a thing apparently. Right. Um, so Rachel, my friend never got her gig back. Okay. I, sub for Hank. You know, so you know, was- that's kind of, doesn't that make it a little bit better though, that she didn't get the gig back yeah, yes. because if they would have like, let you go use the other guy and then she got it back all together. It's like, okay, that wasn't me. What did I do wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Then that would have been aimed. Yeah. So if she never got it back, then it's like, all right, maybe they're telling the truth. Yeah. And I think it was one of those, like she had the, the gal who had been in the band before had stepped away to go pursue this, duo project with her and another songwriter thinking okay. it'd be the thing. And then that didn't end up being the thing, but by mm. the time that my friend had already been with him for like a year. And so my suspicion was that she was kind of wanting, she was looking for the way back in, you know? So, which is right, fine. Right. Honestly, like it all worked out for the sure. best. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I stuck around in Nashville and actually through the same friend got um, my, got my name put in the hat for for the audition whenever Kenny um, was having bass auditions. And it's not like a, I don't know how they do it in LA, but it wasn't like a open bass call. It was like the band is going to bring forward like four or five people, you know, based on recommendations of the people already in the band. So it was already, it was kind of insular, like only recommendations from someone yeah. already in the band. Yeah. Yeah. So I got my name put in the hat by uh, the guitar player um and then yeah just showed up and auditioned for him with without him there they basically sent me like six songs i think and um half of them had background vocals on it and um showed up at soundcheck there and you know 
yeah. I mean, there's a whole story behind that too, where I just, I really like, I can't even believe that I got the gig. What's the story? I was so out of my element. Like what, I, what, what with Kenny's music or with the singing or what? No, not, not really any of those things. It was like, okay. it was like the, the, the technical aspects of, so I had, <laughs> so modern country is very um, five string bass. Yeah, big time. Much like gospel and R&B stuff. Like yeah. modern country, definitely like a lot of those players are playing five string bass. Yeah. I never touched a five string bass before and i was very like i had a little so it was like if there's a five string on the record you're gonna go into a five you're gonna cop the record and just like when they go you know if it's that breakdown yeah double chorus you know you and they go super low you're gonna do that yeah for the live show okay and you've never touched a five string yeah i never touched five string and then so i they sent me the songs like maybe two or three weeks before the rehe- the audition and mm-hmm. i was to them, I was like, okay, there's definitely like a low B thing yeah. on most of these songs, you know, yeah. nobody told me, you know, nobody's going to be like, Hey, we really need you to play because that the keyboard player doesn't, he doesn't, he, he doesn't care. He doesn't know necessarily. I mean, he does, but he's not going to tell me that. Right. So I was like, well, I could either play it on a four string and play it up higher and it's going to sound different and maybe that's fine. Or I could just waltz in and pretend like I know what the hell I'm doing. And so I called up a friend of mine who I'd gotten to know. And I was like, hey, can I borrow a five string? You know, I'm thinking about buying. <laughs> I borrowed his bass just to practice the tune. Okay. Know? Okay. I thought you walked right into the, adi- the audition on a five string because I knew how that story was going to end. Everything's going to be a fourth off. Yeah. Listen, but even rehearsing, like practicing with that for like two weeks, it's like not, it's like, not not as bad as like upright to electric, but people are like, oh, it's a bass. I'm like, nope, it's <laughs> yeah. so much more than just a bass. You know right. what I mean? You become totally comfortable playing this thing, and then suddenly there's another string, and it totally messes up. Yeah, you know, you're playing the B string when you think it's the E, and then and then if you look at it, it's all messed up. The spacing's different. Like, yeah, you got to like just practice the bass. Yeah. Yeah. So I basically had to learn this whole new instrument um, for this audition. But honestly, like, I'm glad that I did because that's all I play for that gig now, you know? And so I walked in. I see a music man behind you. Is that the main? Yeah. So I, the main acts. I used to play that. And then um, I play a Fender, like a five string Fender P bass. Okay. Um, I love the five string P. I do too. Man, it's so amazing. I need to get one. It's great. Fender's thing. Like I was like before I had a Fender deal and an Ampeg deal, you know, I waltzed into this gig with no, not no money, no, you know, and it's like, well, I got to buy like, so the guy before me had a a PV deal and a a Ernie ball deal. And like, basically they'll give you whatever you want. And so I was like, well, that works out with my whole, like, I'm kind of broke. Yeah, because I have no money to buy anything yet. Yeah, you want me to buy bases and backup bases and like, I don't. So I was like, well, they're going to give me this stuff. So for like the first year I used, you know, and I'd always been curious about music band bases, you know, and so I played that. And then for that first year, year and a half, I was like, this isn't me. Like I'm I'm a Fender player. Like I always have been, you know, that's it's what I've always played. It's always been P basses. Um, no, I'm in mean, a jazz, jazz and P basses, but okay. uh, like that bass uh, is like this '60s reissue P. The blue one. 
Yeah, that they yeah. have Labella Flats on there. So that's nice. kind of like go-to base, you know, okay. when I'm here in town. But um, yeah, and then my five-string P-Bases live in a locker with all of our other gear. Sure. Um, so yeah. yeah. So I didn't really, I rented the day of the audition. I actually rented a five-string from the SIR. Okay. Um, uh, <laughs> I walked in and the our monitor engineer was like, hey, everyone's so friendly. Oh, so was the audition at SIR? It was at Soundcheck in Nashville. Okay. Okay. Cause I, I just think like in my mind, like you're at the counter, like paying for your rental, you know, and here comes the band that you're going to yeah. be sitting in with all, if it were all at SIR, that would be hilarious. Like what? She's renting a bass for the audition. This uh, isn't going to go well. I played it so cool though. I was just like, okay, you just got to pretend like you know what you're doing because no one, I mean, confidence goes a really long way. Man, you sell know? it. You're right. So I sold, I sold it. I really Good. did. And, um, so it was that. And then I walked in and the monitor engineer was like, Hey, do you, um, do, do you have your own ears? And I was like, no, I don't, <laughs> I don't because that's not really a thing in Austin, yeah. you know, but necessarily everybody having their own in-ear monitors because everybody's on ears and you know, like that, that we're playing like clubs with, with wedges, you know? Yeah, right. That was oh, like, and like some 1983 wedge that's blown. Totally. Yes. So I was like, well, I don't. And he could tell I was like starting to like spin out. He was like, it's okay. I've got these like generics, you know, we'll just, we'll pop those in and you know, you're going to do great. They were Mm -hmm. so sweet and supportive, but these in-ears, it was like the ones where they have like the little squishy thing on the end and you have to squish them and like shove. So I'm at this audition where if they come out just a little bit, you lose all bass frequencies. Oh yeah. If there's any little gap, it has to be all the way inside your skull oh, through yeah. the base. And it kept like, they kept, I have little ears. And so they kept like falling out. Oh no! I'm playing this five string that I'm like oh. not comfortable with at all. I'm singing on this half. Sounds like a nightmare. It was the most nightmare audition I could have ever imagined. And so yeah. freaking got the gig, you That's know? amazing. How many auditions? Just the one? So I did one with the band and they recorded it. Like they had like an iPhone set up at the back, like the, the production manager, somebody was like recording it on a tripod mm-hmm. and so it was me and the band. And then they were like, you know, they're, we're auditioning these four other people and then we're going to send, you know, send them to Kenny and he's going to pick the person that he wants to bring back into audition with him. Okay. Great. So, you know, you're in this and I'm doing all this shit and I know that the camera's on, I'm trying to sing like, look, you know, right gauging and like I don't know what he wants or what he's looking for but whatever and so then I got I got chosen to come back in and you know I met him and we played through like one part of a song and he like took the band out into the hallway and I was like oh my god I've totally blown this whole audition yeah um and then he brought everybody back in and they just totally fucked with me and made <laughs> gig. And he was like, nah, I'm just kidding. You got the gig. I'm That's like, sweet. What? <laughs> sweet. how long ago was that? How long have you been with Kenny? I auditioned in 2014. Okay. Oh, it's been a minute. Damn. And I, eight years. Yeah. I did the first were, yeah. I think we did like um, the fall of 2014, like that November, he got nominated for some award and maybe won an award. And so they were like, Hey, we're going to play, you know, the CMT awards or whatever it was. And I was like, Whoa, this is my first TV. This is my first, like, coming out party. Yeah. Like, 
should be like, oh, here's the new female bass player on national TV, you yeah. know? So, and then we toured, like we started our tour in 2015. That was my first tour with him. So, okay. How has it been like, um, since the world has opened back up and touring has come back, is he doing like extra tour dates to make up for that? Yeah. Uh, so we, um, we, we basically did not play for two over two years. Okay. We, we did our last show in like May of 2019. And then, um, cause he's pretty late, like LA shut down in March. Like if he's still doing March. shows in May, so this was the year before COVID. And so, oh, and then, you're right. Correct. Okay. Yeah. My bad our tour and then we all went back to nashville that following um late february maybe and we had started and then very quickly got shut down and they kept thinking you know we'll probably bring you guys back in june or july you know and they're like we'll just keep postponing it and then they were like oh no if this is canceled we'll see if we can come back you know in 2021 and then in december they called that off and that got canceled and so it was like two and a half years basically of not playing and so Oof. when we came together to rehearse back in february of this year it was like whoa this has been a really long time yeah. done this so it was great and he did i think they did try to like condense um a bunch of shows so we were doing football stadiums and then also outdoor um amphitheaters so we played nice. five, actually, which was really cool. Which one? Uh, SoFi Stadium. Oh, yeah. sweet. Yeah. I, I still haven't been there. It's really cool. Like I got flown over coming back in and it just looks like a, spaceship. looks like a spaceship. Yeah. That's, that's cool. been raining into the ground. Feels like a spaceship too. Really? Yeah. It was awesome though. I think one of the Jonas brothers was at our show. <laughs> I don't know much about them. I don't really. So they had like a boy band situation, right? Then didn't one of them date Taylor Swift or something and then went out and did his own thing? I think so. Yeah. I can't remember. No, or. No idea. Like I would have no idea if I saw them. I don't know any other tunes. Jonas is the other one, Nick and then Joe Jonas. I don't know the difference between the two, but one of them was at the Kenny Chesney show in LA. That's kind of cool. As a, as a fan of Kenny. Kenny's been doing it for a while. I know. Like 20 something years. It's kind of. Oh, easily. I remember there was a big influx from Phoenix because I think for a while Kenny had a lot of guys from Phoenix in his band. Yeah. And then a lot of people all thought that they were going to go out to Nashville and use these connects from Kenny's band to get into the scene out there. And so there was a whole, like right around maybe 03, 04, 05, like right in there. There's a big migration from Phoenix and it was so much of it was based around Kenny. I could see that. Yeah. Cause our, um, they're no longer in the band anymore, but our drummer and one of our guitar players are both from like that Phoenix area. So that okay. took, who was the drummer? Uh, Sean Paddock. Okay. No, I didn't know. So yeah, Sean Paddock and then Clayton Mitchell were both the name sounds familiar. from, from that area. So yeah, that's crazy. And that was sort of like in the early days, you know, he was de- like, Kenny was doing stuff in like the night, like the late nineties for sure. Mid to late nineties, but right. I really started to like um, headline more instead. Like he flip flopped and was, was an opener for like Tim McGraw. And then suddenly the next summer he was like the, yeah, head- like he was the headliner for, yeah. Yeah. And it all happened around that, like 2002 to 2004, yeah, that's when he kind of really started coming up. How many is he still doing 
new material? Is he still putting out new records or is a lot of it the old hits? Because, I mean, when you're in the game that long, people definitely want to hear the old stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and maybe even more so than the new stuff because it's been around so long. He's still, um, he's st- definitely still cranking out new tunes. Um, and he's doing like, I guess that's the thing, like releasing singles and not necessarily yeah. releasing a record, you know? Right. So, um, so yeah, he put out a single recently and like he did just put out another single that we played like our last two nights at uh, Gillette Stadium. We kind of brought that song out. That's for the- Dallas, right? That's um, Boston. Boston. Yeah, in Foxborough. Okay. Um, so he's still, yeah, he's definitely still putting out new material, but like those, his fans are so nostalgic for the old stuff. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many number of his number one hits that we're not even playing that we don't ever play. And, right. and two hour set, you know? So it's pretty like, crazy. He has so, he has so many hits. I don't know. It's kind of wild. Are you on the records? I'm not on the records, but I don't think that's that. Um, that's pretty common to have his studio yes. guys and road guys. Yeah. yeah. So we did like a live, um, record in 2017, you know, that's cool. So, that's cool. so I was on that record. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I haven't done any studio stuff with him and yeah, which I'm good with. Yeah. I mean, any, any, uh, interest to start your own project? Have you, are you interested in doing that? I, yeah. I mean, I'm actually talking one of the, actually one of the guys from fastball, we've been talking about make getting a project together with the two of us for the last okay. five years or something. <laughs> yeah, right. It's just like those things like, okay, I'm home. And there's this whole decompression thing when you get home off the road and then you get to see all your friends and your family. Right. And then it's like, February will be here before I know it, you know? And then I'm like, our typical. Are you going back out in February? Yeah. Okay. So, so it'll be next year's, I think it's a shorter year. So we'll probably be done in May again. And I'll have the rest of the year to do whatever I want. So I feel like the, the wheels are the balls in motion kind of with potentially a new project. What's uh, what, what's, what's the sound that's in your head for it? I don't know. That's the thing. And he and I okay. have to like figure out, you know, if we're going to write stuff together or if it's just going to be kind of a collaboration because he's got a couple of other people I brought some people to the table. So we want to kind of get this mass of people to yeah. see what happens and maybe just start with like house dinner party jam thing with just see what happens. What happens? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and maybe it's just an excuse to get together and hang out and drink. Right. Water. Just a reason to drink. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Oh Have you written before? What's up? Have you written uh, yeah. either lyrics or music? Yeah. I've written some, some songs for sure, but I'm just so. What happened to him? Did you record a demo of him anywhere? No, I've never really. I feel like this. This should be the the release right here. Let's just play it. Let's play it right now. <laughs> Let's do it. I like. I introducing have... Harmony Kelly and go. You are like every everyone always asks me that. Of course, of course. Like, I have I... A, I have a record sitting on a hard drive that I'm finally finishing, and same thing. Let me hear. It, let me hear it. No. No, you're not going to hear it because it's, it's not done. Thing, and I yeah. am—I mean, I don't know. I'm like a—I'm a shy person. Okay. I kind of turn into a different person on stage, but um, I definitely am more of an extroverted introvert. So, um, and it's that whole thing, right? Like as creatives, it's like, well, 
if you don't ever try and you don't ever put something out there, then you can never fail, you know? Sure, sure, sure. That's, but I don't want to get to, you know, whatever, 40 years from now and be like, you know, that was a dumb reason to not put out my own material because where's the bigger regret? So. Yeah. And I mean, now it's kind of a, it seems like there's less, uh, less whatever the there's not much to lose because there's everybody can put something out yeah so it's like what are you really losing you know it's just like okay people don't listen to it all right well they weren't listening to it before either so (laughs) every time i go into you know i do sessions here and or i'll do like i've been doing this there's this website that you probably know about um, well, there's air gigs and then there's another one called sound better. And it's I know like, about air gigs, uh, but I like a friend of mine, a drummer, uh, great R and B drummer, like ran into a bunch of problems with it. So he's like, don't do it. I'm like, all right. Well, sound better. I've actually recorded a ton of stuff on sound better. Really? Um, yeah. And I just, I mean, I did something and then I, now I have like repeat clients and I've never met these people. Sounds You're just, great remote bass tracks and stuff. But, you know, it's like some of the stuff is really cool. And then some of the stuff, it's like, it definitely made me think, man, why am I not doing what? Yeah, what right. Yeah. I, know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, really, you're putting that out there? Like, mm, that's yeah, kind of terrible. Man. Yeah. Okay. Make yeah. me less worried about my own stuff. So, you know. Right. So when you, when you get a session like this and the material isn't good. Yeah. Where do you go? How do you, uh, do you just kind of like, well, there's not much I can do with it. Or do you do a deep dive and really see what you can extract? I have, I have definitely said no to some stuff that I'm just like, I, I just, I can't like my soul is is feeling a little crushed that I would say like I don't need the gig. Like I'm, I'm touring with Kenny. I don't need this to go buy groceries. So why don't I just pass on this one? I don't want to just say yes to something just as like a quick cash grab, you know, because sure. music, you know, it's so subjective and I want to like, I want to feel it, you know? And so even right. it wasn't like great. It's like, maybe they had, you know, the drummer that they had and the other players, they were really good. And in my mind, I'm like, God, are they, I hope they're thinking the same thing that I'm thinking, you know? Yeah. Like we all came together and still made something really cool out of it and, you know, was able to kind of get me out of my comfort zone a little bit. So, um, yeah. Okay. Did you, you do all, a lot of that on five or four? When uh, you record? Usually four. Well, I've done both actually. Yeah. Are you, are you more comfortable on one over the other now? For sure. Still four. I mean, really? even all these years, I'm way more comfortable on a four string, you know, cause it's just, it's where I came from, you know, I feel like right. it, my home, but no, I've definitely done some stuff on five string before. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, as a recap, we should look out for your EP. What over the summer? Is that, is that when it's coming out? That's Yes. Let's just say not not necessarily what year, but the summer, the summer summer of 2035. We'll look out for the, yeah. No, I mean, I definitely, it's, I feel like, you know, the universe puts where whatever everybody believes, but puts these little like hints and reminders and, you know, these little breadcrumbs out there for you. And that's one that it's like keeps coming up in my life, you know, where people constantly like, Oh, would you, you should do your own material, man. You really need to be fronting, fronting your own band. You really need to, you know, cause Kenny, that's a whole other thing. Fronting. Would you front it or would you just write and play bass? Like front 
confront people, that's a skill. I know. That, I, know. I think that's in their blood. Like they need the attention. They need the yeah. immediate reaction. It's like a drug to them. I don't have that. I could never, ever do it. I'm definitely more of a bass player for sure. So I would yeah. put up music, my, like a my own, you know, EP, but mm-hmm. that I wrote and kind of got all my friends to play on just to, just to put something out there. But, um, or maybe be in a band where I could play bass and help write, but not necessarily front the band. Okay. But I don't know. People ask me that all the time because I was a, like Kenny, Kenny actually put me up front um, singing a, an ACDC song the first nice. year. Which one? Um, Whole Lot of Rosie. Okay. So, um, yeah. So then people after that were like, you should front your own band. I'm like, it's just, I don't know. I'm not, I was, I had to, you know, it's cool. Cause I see myself on videos and I'm like, is that me? That's crazy. Like, really? Yeah. How'd you feel doing it? Did you feel comfortable doing it? Yeah. I mean, after, yes, I did. Cause okay. we were quite a bit. So then the right. first, like, it's on, I don't know. Yeah. All right. But the first time, like first rehearsal where you had to get up. Oh, I was, I was, I thought he had a whole, so I I have so much anxiety. I have anxiety thinking about it right now. He was going to sing it. And then it was like, no, that's not working. And then, um, he was like, well, come, why don't Harmony come sing the, the chorus with me on the mic? And I was like, okay. Okay. He's like, no, that's not working. And then he was like, you should sing it. And I laughed at him. And he was like, <laughs> like, it's way more in your range than mine. He was like, let's just, you know, come in tomorrow and like, we'll print the lyrics out and we'll, we'll do it. And I was like, okay, he's serious. And, <laughs> and the whole crew was just like, what? <laughs> so even now, like we brought it back during a sound check recently and we ended up doing it at one of the shows, like, like recently, I think Boston maybe. Okay. And the crew was just like, yeah. Cause they're all like old school rock roadies. Right. You know? for them to hear somebody singing ACDC. It's like, yeah, they're into it. They're uh, into it. Wrapping up. What are any memorable like gig fails? I always like asking people this, <laughs> like where things just go kind of South, you know, with production or getting to the gig or. Oh man, that's a really. Cause it could always go one of two ways, right? On a big tour, either nothing because there's so much of a team there to protect the gigs, so nothing will go bad. Yeah. Or because there's so many moving parts, something is bound to go bad. I mean, stuff always goes kind of can sure. go, you know, but it's just like, um, I don't know. We, we all have these little moments where, like, the, like, God, I don't even know. He, like, or he'll forget the lyrics to a song, <laughs> song and then have to start the whole song over. Alive? Like, during the show? Oh, oh yeah. wow! How does he play that off? It's kind of what I love about him because okay. he doesn't take himself too seriously, and so That's cool. you know, and I think it makes him more relatable to the audience because he'll stop. Yeah. And, I totally forgot the words, or I just sang the second verse. I can't. What are the words to the first verse? <laughs> sing it back to him, you know, like sixty thousand people. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's stuff like that, or just like oh, the drummer. You know, or like the drummer cued the wrong thing and the click, the the slate is for the wrong song. And it's just like, then we all start the wrong song or, you know, he'll cue the right song. And then the guitar player starts to play the guitar riff from a totally wrong song. And we yeah. all, wait, what's going on right now? Um, so it's just who, like, who, yeah. So who makes the executive d- decision? Do you just go, if the guitar guy starts the wrong song, do you just play the wrong song? Well, I think what we did, the drummer cue up the slate for the, the one he's playing. I 
think that like the band leader got on the 911 channel in his ear and was like, John, you're playing the wrong song. And then, <laughs> by the time the verse kicked in, he seamlessly. Okay. He, he made it. It's like little stuff. Like, I mean, thank God for the 911 channel. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love the talk back mic. I love the live talk back mic. Well, the yeah. funny thing is on our tour, it's a lot like it's mostly shenanigans and most. Oh, yeah. That's the best part of it. Yeah, yeah, like, it's like trying to get someone to laugh during a solo or something like, yeah, yeah. It's a total blooper reel. It's the best. Our, our band leader um, has all these little toys over there and his little, he's our keyboard player as well. So he's got, okay. like, you know, the Leslie and the B3 and then, you know, the Nord and he's got his little platform over there. And then off to the side, he's got like little shelves with the, the 911 and he has like a, he'll pull out this like old school recorder, you know, <laughs> And he'll do like be when someone's taking like it's like a ballad and just like Kenny's uh, the guitar players, you know, and he'll do like <laughs> it's the most the theme to Titanic. Ever. <laughs> so like little stuff like that, you know, or like wardrobe malfunctions or like our guitar player like tripped and fell out on the catwalk tee. Oh, wow. Like bent down and looked back at us and pretended like, and so he came back on the nine one one and he was like, "I totally just fell down and just stayed down there because I didn't know what to do." <laughs> like I was like ripping a cool solo, but he's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, "I love that stuff though." And yeah, we, yeah. none of us t- take ourselves too seriously, so it's easy to sort of just like. That's yep. cool. And it sounds like Kenny sets the tone for that and creates the yeah. environment for all that. Cause I mean, it always goes downhill. So if he were high strung, everybody would absorb that. And he's so awesome. He's yeah. like the greatest boss, you know, he's really great to work with. So what would be, what would be the, not to anything against Kenny Chesney and the tour, but what would be the ultimate dream gig? Ooh, honestly, well, I mean, musically, I would say Prince, although he's not around. But I also know people that have played with Prince before, and he's really, really was difficult to work with and for in so many different... I've heard the same thing, yeah. So for that part, I don't know that I would want to put myself in that type of environment, knowing what I know about him. Right. Um, musically, I mean, it would be amazing. I'm I'm a big Bowie fan, so I mean, unfortunately... Okay. People I'd love to play with are no longer with us, but um, and then maybe Beck. Well, that seems like it'd be a cool one. Yeah, yeah. I was I'm a big fan of um, Justin Meldel Johnson, and so he had that you know gig for for years and years and years. And first time I saw him play, it totally changed my mind about what bass was in a, really yeah on on a you know in a band setting and just like because he would just play with all these pedals and you know sometimes yeah. you. He was a pick, use his fingers, he had thumb, palm meat thing, but everything that he did was like so perfect for the song. Right. And so it really like opened my eyes to what a bass, what, what bass could be, you know? Right. Right. Um, did you ever explore the, the effects? A little I'm bit. Sure there's not a space for it on Kenny's gig, but there's your a own time. Of, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you can't get too experimental on like a right. modern yeah, there's no phase shifters on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I use this one little, um, like a chorusy kind of thing for one part of one chorus of a song, and then I okay. have, um, like a sans amp just for some like cool overdrive. Because there are some cool like rock and roll moments in our set that are yeah. more of a rock band than a country band. Okay. All right. Yeah. 
Cool. Yeah. Harmony, this has been fantastic. Been awesome. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for for you know. Yeah. Nodding. <laughs> hit me up. Hit me up when the EP's out. We're gonna talk about that. The little. Yeah, I think you planted the seed, so you put the bug. Yeah. In. Yeah. This summer. This summer, right? It's like June twelfth. I think is the release date. That's, That's what I heard. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. That was my talk with Harmony Kelly. Uh, if you are enjoying the Base Shed podcast, please hit subscribe wherever you are listening to it. Also, stop by thebaseshed.com backslash podcast backslash Harmony Kelly. Check out her website and follow her on Instagram at Harmony Kelly. Speaking of social media, speaking of social media, I'm sure I've talked about it, um, you know, a time or two here on the podcast. All right, my social media stuff got hacked a few months ago and it, it all got shut down, right? Like, because Instagram is now owned by Meta, you know, the, the Facebook, whatever you want to call it. I can't even think of a good word uh, that's appropriate to say on the air. Uh, regime, maybe the Facebook regime. Anyways, because they're linked. Facebook got hacked and so Instagram got got hacked also. Uh, but you can you can find me still on Instagram at the underscore base underscore shed. And I had to start a new profile to build all that up. So I'm there. I'm there. Uh, you can stop by thebaseshed.com for some transcriptions that are up. And I am shooting some new videos that will be uh, up. And also, you know, get back into the game a little bit with the transcriptions. So I have some more stuff up there. Stop by thebaseshed.com. See if anything uh, seems appealing to you. Shoot me an email at ryan at thebaseshed.com. And that's, uh, that's all I got for this one, folks. That's all I got. I will catch you on the next one in a minute.